Hey everyone, Eric here. Welcome to the second season of our journey playing through Casilda's Song, an epic, yet-to-be-released campaign for the Yellow King RPG, written by Robin D. Laws and published by Pelgrain Press. This season is based on a scenario spine called The Remarkable Aerial Conveyance of Monsieur Redon, which might be the best scenario title I've ever heard. But yes, I said scenario spine. In addition to four scenarios per setting, Casilda Song also includes both scenario spines and scenario hooks. The scenario spines in the book, like this one, include a simpler outline and leave room for the game moderator to expand on it and make it their own. This is the first time I've run a full season with source material like this, so I really hope you all enjoy it. Making up the cast for this season are four characters that many of you already know. Fresh from his victory over Camilla and the Enomorphs in Spill the Wine, Chris Smith will be joining us again playing the ever-over-the-top Percy Vanderbilt. Joining him is Sarah Lovejoy, who will be bringing her character Manu Kasut to life for the first time in a full season, and two Yellow King regulars, Mikey Krennic as Donald Braith and Tommy Witte as Montgomery Hogg. The cast did such an extraordinary job bringing this story to life, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but it just might be our most dramatic season yet. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment, as always, to thank Jean-Luc Bouchard, who wrote our intro music, Kelsey Manning for her work on our cover art, design, and social media, and Diana Castillo, the artist who created our amazing character art. You can check it out, along with news and updates on the Nature of My Game podcast, if you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads at NOMG Podcast. If you'd like to support us even further, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. But really, the two best things you can do to support us are leave us a review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Word of mouth does more than anything to help bring in new fans. And now, without any more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the season premiere of Casilda's Song Chapter 2, Higher Ground. Paris, September 20th, 1895. It was well past midnight when a single candle flame sprung to life in the Parisian morgue, casting shadows along the walls where newly deceased bodies lay in wait to be autopsied by the medical examiner. An elegant woman with an ice-blue dress stepped quickly away from the flame after lighting it, moving through the shadows to feel the chill of the refrigerated vessels holding the corpses while she waited for her guests to arrive. Moments later, the door to the room opened, and a pale woman with dark hair and harsh features entered, the train of her stiff red dress dragging behind her as she moved. Feeling the chill in the room, she pulled a heavy woolen coat around herself more tightly, the red of the material blending seamlessly with the blush of her cheeks. She must truly need my assistance, the first woman thought, if she actually agreed to meet me at a location of my choosing. The woman in the blue dress stepped from the shadows and smiled. Greetings, princess. I believe you wish to speak with me. Well, here I am. I'm listening. The woman sounded more confident than she felt. To speak to one of the king's daughters like this, it was unheard of. But she knew she needed to keep the upper hand while she had it. It was clear that the woman in red bristled at the other woman's tone, but her voice betrayed not a single hint of concern. Greetings, Duchess. I appreciate you giving me the chance to speak with you. But let's not pretend that you don't know why I'm here. The game, the woman in blue said. A statement, not a question, and the woman in red nodded in confirmation. But what is it that you desire from me? The woman in red responded quickly, and with less courtesy this time. Do not be coy with me, Duchess. We both know that you were one of the first of our kind to reach out and touch this city, and with no little success. You would be of great aid to me and my cause. The woman in blue, the Duchess, could tell just how difficult it was for the princess to request help, and she smiled inside at the thought. Keep the upper hand for as long as you can. The Duchess changed tactics. I heard about your most recent plot, Princess. It was most unlucky that your sister found out about it in time. Those creatures would have made quite the spectacle loose in the streets of Paris. The woman in red bristled, but once again kept her composure. A minor setback, I assure you. Let us make this quick, Duchess. I know what drives you, what brings you joy. You and I, we are not that different. Work with me, and the streets of Paris will be filled with icy hearts just as you desire. Now, will you change your colors and join me? The woman in blue hesitated for a moment, though she knew her next move immediately. She had kept her hand close to her chest so far, but now it was time to reveal it, and to get what she truly wanted. Perhaps I will, princess, but I want an assurance from you in return. There are two young women who nearly thwarted me before, 
I know you know who they are. If I am to join you, you must promise me that you will leave them for me. Those two, the sculptor and the muse, they will be mine. Our story starts in the morning on September 28th, 1895. It's a Saturday in Paris, and it's a dark, dreary day. Cloud cover fully covering the Paris sky, and a bit of, a bit of drizzle is falling. And I want to open this up kind of, kind of like a movie. The first thing that we see is the Eiffel Tower standing above the rest of Paris. And we kind of zoom down closer around the Eiffel Tower, and you see that there's a crowd standing around the Eiffel Tower, but it's it's not a crowd of tourists. It's a crowd of Parisians, and there seems to be kind of an air of anticipation. People keep kind of looking up at the Eiffel Tower. It seems like they're waiting for something. And so then the camera kind of scans up the tower, and off in the distance, against the gray sky, you see a little bit of a speck. Something is out there in the sky and it seems to be moving toward the Eiffel Tower. And as it gets closer, you can see that it's some sort of inflatable flying machine coming toward the Eiffel Tower from off in the distance. And as it gets even closer, you see that there are two men standing inside this inflatable flying machine. And both of them are wearing masks, which added, you know, on its face might seem horrifying, but as it gets clo- even closer, they're elaborate green masquerade masks, not the pallid white mask that would would cause uh, some in this group to shudder. And is this, you know, you, you can hear kind of a buzz in the crowd as this thing gets closer. Uh, this is clearly what people were standing here waiting for, whether they knew it or not. And this flying machine gets to the Eiffel Tower, and one of the men tosses kind of an anchor around the Eiffel Tower and basically docks this flying machine on the Eiffel Tower. And everyone sees, written in flowing script across the side, is the name of the craft, the Pearl of the Hyades. And there's also a strange snake-like sigil emblazoned on the airship that gives everyone who sees it, whether they realize it or not, a sense of foreboding and dread. And then the camera kind of pans down back to the crowd, and the first pair of people that we see are two of our beloved art students in Paris, Montgomery Hogg and <laughs> Donald Braith. Um, so, Tommy, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell us um, a little bit about uh, what Montgomery Hogg looks like and why he is standing outside the Eiffel Tower on this September 28th day? Uh, yeah, so uh, Monty Hogg has um, his you know, sort of nice like uh, a dark blue uh, suit that he is wearing. Uh, he has a beard. Um, well-kept hair, and he is here because he has uh, received a tip from uh, a local newspaperman that there was something occurring uh, at the Eiffel Tower. Uh, Did we say it was morning? Yes, 9 a.m. 9 a.m., yes, okay. So uh, a tip that something was happening this morning. He went over first thing to the newspaper, and he let Don know that he had received some information that he should go to this newspaper uh, and once he arrived, the uh, editor there let him know that there was, he had just received a tip that something seemed to be happening at the Eiffel Tower. Um, and so he uh, and Don went to the Eiffel Tower to see what was going on. Great. And then Donald, uh, Mikey, can you tell us what Donald looks like um, as we as we see this scene? So Donald, I think, uh, has his hair is, is a little longer than it's ever been. Maybe there's like uh, the grow, like there's a little scruff on the face for the first time. And the hair is actually starting to even prematurely gray a little bit, even though he's still in his 20s. He's starting to get a little bit of that gray in there. Poor Don. (laughs) Yeah, we can only assume that it's a 
that's more about the last six months or so or whatever it's been um, yeah. than anything else. <laughs> and I think that he also is is still, you know, well-dressed, well-kept, looks well-groomed, has a nice suit on. But, like, starting to have, like, the the hair of a bit of a, like, oh, that guy is mm, interesting. <laughs> that's, a, that's a look. Uh, because I think that, you know, he's been preoccupied by all of the crazy things going on. But I think that he views today as like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go with Monty. I'm going to get away from from the usual stuff. We're going to see this weird thing, you know, this whatever's going on at the Eiffel Tower. I don't think he's walking in necessarily with his guard up any more than he does 24-7 these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how do the two of you react when you see this inflatable uh-huh. craft flying over the over the streets of Paris? So my first question to you real quick is, uh, what did you say the name the, the name that was on the banner was yes the pearl of the hyades pearl of the hyades can we spell hyades for me please sure h-y-a mm-hmm. d-e-s d-e-s okay um well i think when we certainly when uh, when we first see the craft appearing and uh, approaching um i will nudge don see uh, this is what i was talking about this uh, I knew, you know, there would be something that they would have for me, and sure enough, we have this strange thing coming in and flying towards the tower. I have to admit, it looks quite stupid. <laughs> oh, yes, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what... Uh, now, and they've released some sort of ban- per- Pearl of the Hyades. Does that mean anything to you, Don? Uh, it certainly does not. Uh, Pearl of the Hyades. I- would that mean anything to me at all, uh, Eric? To anything about that name, uh, ring a bell, anything like that. So I think Donald, uh, actually, because of your natural history ability. Yeah, sorry, I do. Hi- that does mean something. <laughs> <laughs> I was the, mistaken. <laughs> the Hyades is a prominent star cluster in the night sky. You don't know what it was named after, but it is. It's a. It's it's a prominent star cluster. Oh yes, Hyades, not Hyatos. I see. Uh, that's a prominent <laughs> star cluster. Star cluster. Interesting. Uh, do you? Uh, Don, and I know how you may react to this. Are these people dropping this just as a, a name for their craft, or are they indicating they are from the stars? Montgomery, do I have to answer that question? No, you do not, Don. <laughs> I know what your answer is going to be. I just had to voice it. Understood. And so then we we kind of pan around the crowd, uh, and we see two other familiar faces uh, also here to to see whatever the hubbub is here at the Eiffel Tower. Chris, can you tell us um, who, uh, what, what Percy looks like here in the crowd and why he's here? Yeah, yeah. Percy is, um, you know, like usual, dressed in a, he's trying to look very bohemian way that is also very obviously expensive um, <laughs> and shows that he has quite a lot of money. So, you know, his, his pants are a little tattered, but extremely expensive looking, etc., I think, you know, he's here. He has also, from some of his underground sources, received this tip that something was going to happen um, this morning at the Eiffel Tower. And, you know, Percy is always up for an adventure. It's not like he really does anything else of note that's that's useful. Um, so he, he came here right away. Yes. And you are also joined um, by a friend of yours, Manu Kasut. Um, who you invited to join you on this adventure. So, Sarah, can you tell us about Manu? Sure. Um, the first thing that anyone notices about Manu is that she is, like, strikingly beautiful. Like, so beautiful you want to hate her, but then you meet her and most people don't. Um, she Nine o'clock is a little bit early in the morning for her, so she <laughs> has, you know, her, her curly, beautiful blonde hair is in, like, the... The equivalent of a messy bun for the times. <laughs> um, just kind of swept up, you know? Um, and she, her, her clothes actually quite match Percy's, though she is not wealthy herself. Um, she has like a pretty white dress and then a men's jacket on top, which would look ridiculous on anyone else. But it's Manu, so it looks very just haphazard and chic. Is that the is that the eighteen ninety five equivalent of a sweatshirt and leggings? Yes, yes. Like she, <laughs> this is like you know. Just farmer's market aesthetic. I just woke up like this. Yes. But for Manu, of course, you know, everyone else tries hard and she really did just wake up like this. (laughs) Of course. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. So Manu, I think more than anyone else, this strange snake-like sigil on the side of this craft is familiar to you and and not not in a pleasant way. This symbol is the same one that you saw 
emblazoned in ice near a number of dead bodies in February. And so I actually need all four of you before before we really get into anything. Come on, man. To roll me Jumping a composure in. test um, oh, because boy. you have all gazed willingly at the yellow sign no. without knowing that you were going to. What is? Come on. She was literally so excited about the Hyades. She was like, oh, the stars, and then saw it. Like, well. Well, I got a two. You know you can add to it before you roll. Yeah. Why you weren't prepared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd have nothing to be prepared about. No. Oh no. You rolled a one. Yeah, we both we both did that. <laughs> All right, you said a composure. Yes. Um, I think that uh, I'm going to spend just one point on this, and this is that Monty is because he knew that there was going to be something happening. He got a tip, and he knows where this comes from. He expects that it is going to be something unusual and even possibly otherworldly. So he's a little okay. more prepared for this to be something bizarre. And okay. let's assume that he didn't tell Donald that and that Donald was more thinking of this as like, it's an opportunity to go see st- stupid people doing stupid things. Yeah. So he was yeah. fully unprepared. Yeah, like, I have not told you where it the tip came from. Yeah. Just, I was like, oh, I think there's going to be something interesting happening. And I wanted to get some work from the local paper. And it's just like his, his last strings of sanity are like, okay, let's just take a little break from everything. And uh-huh. so he would not be ready for it. Okay. I-, I rolled a five for a total of six. Okay. I think um, Percy's also going to spend one with the logic being that he's used to his underground sources sending him in very strange places and uh-huh. unexpected things. So, and I rolled a, a five. So six total. Six as well. Okay. So. I guess we should have spent, Sarah. Well, I. Yeah. Sarah, you're Manu you're, is like you're, still sleepy. Like yeah, she's she, not ready for it. You're you're getting you're getting perilous, perilously close to this being a very short season for you. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but we'll we'll start with uh, we'll start with Donald. So Donald, that's a no. Actually, they're both major failures. Uh, a two and a one. Cool, dude. <laughs> you so you both get the. Uh, this is Robin Laws coming after you, Mikey. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. So both of you get the uh, the shock card, and go ahead and put this on your sheet. The shock <gasps> card called Song of the Sign. God. Oh, great. It is also a continuity card. Oh, my God. We're like five minutes in. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have been a little more prepared. <laughs> um, and, okay, so, uh, so I'll read this out to you. Minus two on composure tests. Minus one to other presence tests. You may refresh any pool other than composure by committing murder. <gasps> Easy. Can you say that again? I'm so sorry. Sure. You may refresh any pool other than composure by committing murder. To refresh a pool means to fill up, uh, to fill back your, your pool up. Um, and then discard as a recipient of an inspiration or a reassurance push or by making a steal push. Wow. So either someone else has to give you an inspiration or a reassurance push, or you yourself have to make a steel push. I don't know if any of you have steel. Francis for sure has steel, and I think I think Francis and uh, Francis and Rose have steel. So I don't think any of you have steel. It's horrible. So Manu, I think you you see this. It brings back memories of February, and you know you failed this composure test. So what? How, how do you think you react as you see this? Oh my God. Wow, I mean, she is, like, the so unprepared. Like, the last few months, she's been trying to... She's finally started to be like, okay, you can live life as usual. You can enjoy things again. Like, things are getting better. The world is not out to get you. Um, and can almost convince herself that this doesn't exist. So seeing it, like, just goes completely white. Like, maybe she had her arm, like, tucked into Percy's, you know, kind of just like a linked arms and just like drops it and just like mouth open like can't move can't say anything and percy do you any any reaction seeing the airship you know you don't you you aren't really phased by the sign that's on it but i think you also would notice like a a distinct change in mood from manu as this thing approaches yeah yeah you know i think percy is he's curious about the airship and sort of thinks oh maybe this is a new adventure for me something something (laughs) i could get involved in um but I think once he notices Manu, he turns to her and just says, you know, Oh, Manu, my muse, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? She like, starts doting on her a little bit, but not excessively. We we must leave this place. Like, we must leave right now. We cannot be here. And as soon as you say that, Manu, one of the two men um, 
pulls off his mask, um, and you see kind of a, a young, thin, kind of wispy-looking man. Like he—he he almost looks like he could blow away right alongside the aircraft. Needs a sandwich, my mom would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my news mom or Sarah's mom? <laughs> Both. Un <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> he pulls out like a like a like a voice amplifier, right? Like a like a not a not an electronic megaphone, but like a you know, like cheerleaders mm. would use, like a like a <laughs> megaphone like that. Okay. And he starts shouting down to the crowd. Says, Welcome one and all to an opportunity of a lifetime. I am Monsieur Jules Radon. And this is the Pearl of the Hyades, an airship unlike any the world has ever seen. And in three days' time, those lucky few who win tickets on this airship will join me on a once-in-a-lifetime journey to the planet Aldebaran, the follower of the Pleiades, the Alpha Tauri. Anyone who desires a chance to join me on this expedition should send a telegram addressed to me, Monsieur Jules Radon, and if your credentials are deemed sufficient, the secret location of the auction will be provided to you. And as he goes silent, the crowd, the noise ramps up. Like everybody's now talking to each other and like looking around and like they're all kind of shocked by this whole situation. And I think as the crowd starts kind of moving, the four of you probably see each other. I, and I'm sorry, can we really quickly, I just want to resolve what... Um, uh, uh, what Don's reaction would have yeah. been since he also yeah, 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 failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think that, so, my guess would be, uh, he, when that happens and when, like, he has that moment of, like, oh, no, this is, this is bad. I think that it almost manifests itself as something that Monty has never, ever really seen from him before. Like, there's, it's, it almost looks like excitement. But Monty, knowing him well, knows that it's it's not excitement. It's more deranged or perverse than like just like, oh, this is fun. But I think that like in Don's brain, knowing that he's so amped up about like, I got to get back to that place and I got to figure this out. Monty knows that about him. I think that like now in Don's brain, today is one of those days. But rather than get all like scared and defensive about it, he's going to try to get excited about it. But what it really is, is it's just like, He's starting to unravel, like, legitimately. <laughs> and I would like to say when Monty sees the manic energy starting from Don, I'm just going to, like, put an arm on his shoulder and say, Don, Don I'm sorry, I should have told you. I should have told you what this is about. This was a tip from Casilda. I mentioned her before. This was That's what this is coming from. That's what this is. I thought this might be an opportunity for us to dig further into all of the goings-on that have been happening. And I'd like to use, I have reassurance as a primary skill. I would like <laughs> yes. to use a reassurance push. You may do that. All right. And that will get rid of my card, right? Yes, that gets rid of that card. So I think that as he does that, he, he Donald turns from and like a little calmer, but still definitely engaged now more than he was. Oh my, Montgomery, don't you see? This is a, this is an opportunity for us now. We, we have to get on that ship. No ifs, ands, or buts. We have to get on that ship. We will be getting those tickets done. I agree. I think Percy, um, now that they've all met up, Percy sees this and he's totally oblivious to any of the negative feelings around him. Um, <laughs> of course. And he, he just turns to them and says, Ah, oh, you know, my fellow artists, my fellow writers, we, it appears we've been struck by inspiration. Oh, God. Well, if it isn't the bon vivant of old Perry, our good friend, uh, Mr. Vanderbilt. Hello, Percy. I think Percy. Percy's like, he's putting his arms around them. He's like clapping them on the back as if, you know, they've all just witnessed something very important and meaningful together. And then I think Don will notice that Manu is there with Percy. And then I think that will kind of change his like, and he'll turn to Percy. Yeah. Like, what? Why would you bring her here? This and Manu is, is like not good. Like yeah. she is like frantic, like looking around, like she's trying to like escape. And he's like, "What? What? Three days? Three? We? No, we cannot be here." Like she's like losing it. Vanderbilt, why would you bring her here? This is a. <clears throat> Hello, Manu. It's wonderful to see you. Ah, yeah, yes, yes. Like usually she would be so nice, and she like can't even respond. Yeah, and I think Donald's pissed. Man, it looks like you've seen a ghost. Do we need, should we, why don't we step away from this for a moment? Uh, there should be, I believe there's a cafe nearby if we would like to just kind of clear your head. Uh, it seems like you uh, might might need a, maybe a, a coffee oui. or something. Oui, oh wait, oh wait, oh wait, bon, bon, oui. 
No, yeah. I can buy you a coffee. We can we can get a coffee. Let's go get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> And Anu, like, allows herself to just be, like, led away. Like, she can't even, like, decide which direction to walk in. Okay. Uh, I think if we start to walk away, I think that Monty will just stop for a second and turn back towards the tower, looking up at the men. Just it lets his gaze linger for a moment. And then he'll turn back towards the group and just mutter under his breath something, man needs a sandwich, and then just keep, like, <laughs> walk with them. And then I think he'll, Donald will grab Monty by the shoulder while they're, like, Percy is probably guiding Manu ahead because Donald would probably be too nervous to be near her. So he's going <laughs> to grab Monty and, like, a little bit of that manic energy rising again, just whisper in his ear, we have to get rid of both of them. Different reasons. But both of them <laughs> cannot be here right now. I, yeah, I, I understand, Donna. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. Let's get to this cafe and maybe we can work something out from there. Right. I think Percy has his, his arms linked with Manu as well and is just sort of totally oblivious to how serious this is to her still <laughs> and just kind of whispering to her, oh, don't worry. It's just, you're just not used to adventure like I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Manu has no composure, and Sarah has no composure. <laughs> I was gonna say, Sarah, how does it feel that you're? How does it feel to be caught up in the middle of this right now? <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna be laughing at literally everything. I know. Because he says through this entire season. Yeah, Manu continues. Like she, she cannot like speak. She's just being led away by these three gentlemen. All right, so you, you make your way to a nearby cafe. You sit down. You're able to, to secure a table, but it is pretty full, and everyone is talking about the scene that just happened outside at the Eiffel Tower. I suspect that um, if uh, we were to send in telegrams about this particular uh, occurrence to this gentleman who shared his name a moment ago, what was the name again, by the way? I just want to write it down for my notes. Jules Radan, R-A-D-A-N. Uh, certainly appears we will not be alone. I suspect there are going to be many, many telegrams sent to this gentleman, so if we are serious about this offer being made to find out what this is all about, uh, we are going to need to know what the requirements are that he mentioned uh, that they, you know, go through to determine who is sufficiently whatever uh, in order to join them on this particular journey. I certainly can't imagine that the whole of Paris is sufficient to join them on this journey. I, I, I have no doubt that we, once we figure out what the credentials are that he's looking for, we can we can secure our position. Absolutely. Did you see the size of that craft? It was tiny. <laughs> nah. Only a few people, I think. And we must, must be among them. Yes. Manu, how do you think you react to the fact that these two now seem to be talking about trying to get on this thing? Yeah, Manu is like, again, she sits down and kind of just has like her head in her hands. And it's like, oh, this I know, the three days. And then she hears them and like has to listen a few, for a few minutes to realize that they actually want to go. And she she like puts out a hand on, on Donald. And is like, Wait, you want to, to go on this craft? You want to, you will be sending the telegram? Uh, 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 Monty thinks that we should, yes. Pourquoi? Why? Pourquoi, Monty? <laughs> we, uh, Manu, I just want to say that we have had some, uh, unusual experiences in our time in this lovely city so far, and I think both of us are seeking answers for the things that we have experienced. Now, if you don't mind me saying so, you have, um, You've looked quite pale there when the, uh, that man started speaking and, and dropped his banner with that snake on it, etc. Are you, have you, did it just frighten you? Did it startle you? Did it remind you of something? It just, your reaction seemed unlike almost anyone else's in the crowd. And so I'm wondering if you had some sort of uh, uh, knowledge of what, of any of what was going on there. I mean, you just seemed so very frightened by this. To, to say frightened is not the, the right word. I, I have seen this, this symbol before. Have you? And, and if I were to see it again, I would have the same reaction to run the other way. We, you, you two should run away from that sign. If I may, when did you see this symbol before? Well, that is a story that needs wine and not coffee. 
Understood. I can buy you wine. We can go get wine. <laughs> yes. Uh, Monsieur, wine over here, please. Okay. She, she is serious. She does need a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think she also, like, while the wine is being fetched, she takes that as an opportunity to be like, should I tell these people what happened? Like, she wasn't... She hasn't told anyone other than Rose what has happened, so I don't... She's deciding. Would, um... And just for our... Would we know, obviously, Rose had... Rose suffered a... <laughs> pretty unfortunate injury yes um so i think it would we as students would know that that occurred maybe we are yes. we are familiar with rose we know something happened we don't know anything else about it maybe is that would i think you might even case? know that something happened and manu was involved okay okay but that you know rose i think up until about two weeks ago had kind of she went to class she went back to her apartment she had kind of secluded herself away from the rest of the art scene. And then, you know, she seems to have been in somewhat brighter spirits the last couple of weeks. And Percy, I think you more. obviously were a part of that. So, you know, yes, yeah. more about why that would be. So, like, for this is like Sarah sharing with you as players. But Manu, like in the last six, seven months, like she had this horrible thing happen with Rose she thought about leaving Paris for good as Rose was recovering, stayed. And she's also just been doing more, um, like, it, sometimes she tries to pretend it never happened. And sometimes she's been looking into, like, occult things, just kind of doing her own research for the first time in life, really. And what that has done is make her, like, she is sure that something otherworldly happened and that otherworldly things can happen, if that makes sense. So um, she's not, like, doubting what she's seeing. She is, like this is very dangerous and doesn't know if she wants to be involved, but also needs inspiration or reassurance or someone to convince her to make a steal to get rid of this thing, so... Well... Well, and you don't have steal, so you can't make, you can't make your, uh, your own steal push. Oh, that's not just one of the two pushes I have. Oh, okay. No, because you, yeah, you don't have that ability. She will continue to be afraid and want to run away unless someone is inspiring or reassuring. Yeah, and I was going to say, from a purely mechanical standpoint, I... I Wanted to use my, one of my pushes, obviously, to kind of help yeah. help Donald get over this, but I don't know that I would uh, be. It Can't would be both, particularly yeah. wise no, for no. me to use both. I will tell you. I will tell you just uh, to keep in mind as players um, that this doesn't have to affect how you how you acted out in in um, in the game. That the only person in this group with inspiration is, is Manu, and she can't inspire herself. And so the and the only person with reassurance, the only two people with reassurance in this group are Manu and uh, Monty. And no so one if, has if steel. That, if, if that card's oh. gonna be if that card is gonna be removed, it's gonna be by Monty. Right. So point. neither of my paramours can like reassure or inspire me. Sadly, not. They are not reassuring men. <laughs> can I invite yeah. Manu into Stop. losing this card? Okay, so no. she's just gonna be Listen, like Manu, a mess for a while then. <laughs> Well, I think after she expresses all of her fear, not to cut anyone off, but I think that Donald, seeing an opportunity here to maybe do some inspiring of his own, despite not having the investigative ability, uh, will turn to her and be like, uh, Miss Manu, I, I, I must say that uh, uh, your fear uh, and your uh, abject horror is 100% accurate and correct. Uh, this is, well, uh, we, we too have been through some uh, absolutely horrible things and, and seen just the, the absolute nightmares come to life in front of our very eyes yes, uh, a nightmare. over the past yes. six months. And uh, I can tell you that that certainly uh, horrible things are, are more than likely going to happen here. You are 100% uh, uh, correct in, in your, your assumption there. That's very, very perceptive of you. This, this is likely to be a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> oh, that's the end of the speech? Oh. Yeah, beautiful. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think Percy also feels a need to chime in a little competitively, but he totally misreads the situation again. Um, and he thinks, you know, over the past couple months, he's been out with Manu. He's been throwing money her way and funding whatever she wants to do. And she, she's felt a little bit off. She's felt a little bit, you know, as if she's sort of going through a, a little bit of a personal crisis. But I think Percy interprets this as she is just over society and parties and all sorts of things here because that's all he thinks about that's his world yeah so i think he turns to her and he just says manu society here it's it's dull 
It's stale, it's vapid. I get it, I get it. I'm tired of it too. I, I can't stand any of it. You need a change. And it's time that we move on to bigger and better things, and I think this airship may be one of them. I think you should go home, Vanderbilt. <laughs> well, the dilettante of the Seine has weighed in, so uh, I think we can all take that as our, our final word. Uh, Manu, this could be quite an interesting opportunity for all of us. And horrible. And ho Yes, thank you, Don. You've you have such a way with words. Thank you, Mike. Um, <laughs> Manu here. I think as the wine is is delivered to the table, um, he picks up the glass and kind of offers it over to her. Take a drink. Tell us about what happened. I promise this will all be fine. None of us are in any position to force you to do anything that you do not feel comfortable doing. I'm going to use my other push and use reassurance. Whoa. Tommy Whitty, oh, a, guy, a man, nice. a man of the what people, a, a man oh of the people. Oh my god! Wow! Just Thank you. That's so nice. Okay, so <laughs> so when he can't push later, just yes, add another I'm, zero I'm love joy. To reassure another body on your conscience. <laughs> <laughs> Dead-eyed stare, nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. Manu will will help out later. So interestingly enough, like when the the men start kind of like you know, puffing up their chests and chatting. That's kind of what, like, starts to bring Manu back. And she's like, okay, I gotta, like, soothe this situation. Like, I cannot have Percy leaving, you know. So she's like, yes, yes. And, like, does a gentle pat on each of their arms. It's like, I appreciate the words. Yes, yes, I hear I hear you all. And she's like, I shall tell you what has happened to me. But first I must know, truly from your heart, you believe that thinking even about this, this ship, it could bring us answers. It could make things better for, for the people of Paris. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. Then why do we not run away? Answer, certainly, but the, the, the better uh, part, I don't, no, 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 I don't think so. But what are answers and knowledge for if not to make life better, no? Yes. He looks at Monty like, oh, help me out here, man. <laughs> I think what, You're the philosopher. I think what Don is trying to say here is if we do not pursue avenues like the one that has been presented to us, then we run a very a very real risk of things getting worse. I don't know if we can make them better, but we may be able to prevent them from getting worse. The, the things that you, you two, you, you three, I do not know. The things that you have seen, they are such as I have seen. He wasn't with us. They, they are the things I have seen. Things you, you cannot tell if it is a nightmare or if it, it is real. In, in the streets of our Paris, you have seen these things too. Unfortunately, yes, we have. We have seen... We have battled, and we have felled these things. You have battled. I think maybe at this point we do just a, like, kind of a very short, uh, like a, a very abbreviated overview of the, the things that we have experienced yeah. so far. Get everybody caught help. up. Yeah, yeah. Just so, is, like, there's no, yeah, there's yeah. no... It's like, look, we there was a, a gargoyle, there was a, <laughs> an a guy. organ playing bizarre music, we saw visions, then there was a guy with a mask in a theater, we chased him into what seemed like another world, just... We run through a Francis brief flew. version of the whole thing. Francis <laughs> flew. Yeah, it was Francis incredible. Francis is also. Yes. Ah. Oh yes, she has been. Yes. Uh, Percy, do you share? Do you share that you uh, that you used uh, basically your fencing ability to take down a, a, a monster that was killing people and ripping them limb from limb? Oh yeah, no. I, I think Percy doesn't only share this. I think he brags about it and says, you know, almost as if it was a given. Like, of course, you know, I. I protected many of our friends, and I, you know, saved the lives of dozens of innocent Parisians, and you know, <laughs> downed this hideous creature all by myself. And at this Manu, like she truly does raise her eyebrow to be like, "You fought a creature, you helped the people." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, okay." I actually <laughs> shot the gargoyle creature. That was I. There were I was injured when that happened, and I was still able to shoot and kill the gargoyle creature. So that while wow, very the, impressive. The two of you were together. The creature oh, no. and the gargoyle are, are the same? They are different? They are... No, I think the creature was that Percy fought was significantly small. Ah, <laughs> it was huge. It was huge. <laughs> Short She's poet. Like, like Size of a two-story like, building. Usually maybe she would like roll her eyes and make a joke and she's just like, what? Like there are gargoyle, there are creatures. And like, it's very scary, but it also kind of does put her at ease. Like she's not the only person who has seen these things. Wow. So she's like, okay, okay. The tales of, of heroism, I want to hear them all later with more wine, perhaps another time. I too have, have seen have seen things that do not make sense. 
uh, things that that can take life, that seem to have their own life, and they are so dangerous. But if if they will happen with or without us, we must try to stop them. I will I will join you. I I must say uh, I I I don't know how wise that is, Manu. While I would be uh, honored to have you here with us, I, I I know that what we're facing is is dangerous, and and while. Montgomery and myself are certainly capable of protecting you. Uh, the amount of horrors that, that we may find or that we've certainly found before, I, 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 I'm certainly not in any position to tell you what to do or what not to do, but I, I must say, I, I think this is, a, this is a mission for the hardy, for the brave. And while I certainly consider you uh, uh, quite uh, hardy uh, uh, <laughs> and brave as well, I, I just don't know if, if uh, this, this ground we're, we're to tread on is is for delicate feet. Monsieur Donald, your, your concern is, is charmant, but I must say I am already in this. Understood. I think Percy perceives a little bit of the competitiveness again and, and turns to him and says, look, she will be going and I will be going. And if you would like to stay behind, you're more than welcome. The <laughs> thought about delicate feet stands, Mr. Vanderbilt. <laughs> My feet are, in, they are indeed quite delicate. She's like, we got to bring a joke in here. She's like, they are, they are lovely feet. And with them, I shall carry myself forward with you. Though there are three spots in the, the flying machine, no? And there are four of us. You don't know how many spots there are. Oh, I thought he said three. No. In three oh, days' time, but there's... Three days' time. He, okay. didn't, he didn't specify. So maybe it's she does say that and though, someone man. else can correct her. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like I, uh, I would be really amused if a random pat like stranger from another table was like, "You didn't say three. It was Well, not one of you have asked me what it looked like. What do you mean? Oh, I what assume it was a dirigible. Like? I googled yeah, I've been assuming it's a Hindenburg. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eric. I thought you would have what described it, like? it better yeah. for us. Uh, well, there's, a, there's a reason for that. So I thought you, you said it was small, like not a lot of people could fit in it, right? I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> Where did we get the smallness from? I heard small. I, heard, I, I heard swear small. you said small. I, I heard small. Wait, before I heard, we hear I said, this... I said, as it gets closer, you can see that it's some sort of inflatable flying machine. There are uh -huh. two men standing inside it, both wearing masks, and he tossed an anchor on the Eiffel Tower. Guys, he's going to mm, edit he's out that he said small. He's gaslighting us This is season one all over again. He's <laughs> gaslighting us. Wait, Eric, before we continue with this conversation, is my card gone now because of the push? Yes, it is. Yes. Amazing. That one. Thank the you. other one is still there. But. So much I was going to say, you had another shock already, did you not? Yes, she did. I still okay, have the price of failure, but. Okay. That's, I, yeah. Yeah. You were going to be on the verge of potentially dying. So. Thank you yeah. so much. She could, be, she could be startled by someone walking around the corner and then. And then just drop <laughs> dead die. right. Yeah. <laughs> the real hero. <laughs> do, do any other of us two as, gents. as players, not as characters, do any of us know anything about like dirigible history or anything? Like, is this something where we yeah. can infer that yeah. we, our characters have never seen this before? So I guess now that we're all on the same page that we want to be doing this, maybe now's the time where we start discussing what we saw. And now, it, yeah, yeah, is that like where yes. we can maybe pick up talking mm -hmm. to each other about it, what we may have seen or what it looked like or anything like that? Yes, I think that makes sense. Have we seen like a balloon before or something? Yes. Or is okay, yes. so it's not like this is the first flying machine. There was a ballooning craze apparently <laughs> in high society Paris in the mid 18, cool 1800s. <laughs> um, so this is a little past the ballooning craze. Yes, that you have seen you have seen balloons, you have seen people flying in balloons. Like this, a hot air balloon? Yeah. Okay. This was different. Monty you saw something that looked like a blimp, but it seemed like it was kind of steampunk. It was like powered by steam, looked way too heavy to fly. And they were kind of perched underneath it in a basket. Okay. Manu, right. you saw something that looked like a, like a flying fish with what? fins that kind of extended outward that the craft <laughs> kind of floated on. And it looked so light to you that, like, a stiff breeze would blow it away, but it flew very steadily and and straight. Was there a basket with the fish? They were kind of riding on the back of the thing. Oh, that's so... Okay, that's so weird. And Percy and Donald, both of you saw it. It looked... It was a basket being propped up by 
various sized balloons. So like not one balloon like a hot air balloon, but it was like it was like a bunch of various sizes and various colors of balloons that were holding this basket up. It looks like up or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. And you've all kind of just made this discovery now that Wait you saw moment. it differently. Manu, you saw a, a fish creature of some kind? So Fly? do we all share what we saw it look like? Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, if you want to, I mean, if you wanted to have shared that, because yeah. I'm going okay. to say no, what no, I saw was this. Yeah. I saw so, uh, sort of a large, uh, almost like a like a blimp. It was. It looked very heavy, very uh, almost incapable of flight. If I, you know, I am no scientist, of course, but it just seemed so very large, sturdy. I would have expected it to fall from the sky. Oh, I, I saw balloons and various balloons and, and a and a basket. Various like balloons. a hot air balloon? I have been in one. They are so beautiful. Uh, not, not quite like a hot air balloon. A, a, a number of balloons, various size and shape, uh, supporting a singular basket. So in that sense, like a hot air balloon, but not not with the balloons. It's, uh, mm. it's strange for you to be right about something, because that's exactly what I saw, too. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I do not believe either of you are right. That's not what I saw at all. It was, it was like a beautiful fish. It had... It had Wings almost. I thought it was quite beautiful until I saw the sign, and then, as you know, I became quite undone. But <laughs> no, it was not heavy at all. From a certain angle, it's certainly uh, resembled a fish uh, when it caught the light in a certain way. I, I could certainly see that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. You fish know. Both. You know. We all saw something. Well, most of, most of us saw something very different than each other. That's how very bizarre. Well, I think that only resolves further that we have to find a way to uh, get close to these gentlemen and get on board this strange vehicle, strange uh, apparatus, whatever it is. But now the question becomes, how do we do that? I feel like we, of course, have to write these telegrams. We will be doing that, but so will potentially hundreds of other people who were gathered at this event. And of course, three days, word of mouth will spread throughout the city. There could be thousands upon thousands of people writing telegrams to this gentleman. We need to ensure we are the ones who get on board and are taken in by this. So how do we do that? He, was, he gave an address, did he not? He gave a, an address to send the telegram. Could we go to that address? He just said to send it to him. Ah, he just said to send it to him. <laughs> to and his I, name. That there's a secret auction location. Correct, mm. right. So you so you have to you have to be selected to even participate in the auction and then there will mm. be an then they will auction off tickets. Monty, do you think you could speak to your source? I think that I could certainly speak to my contacts. All we have to go on right now, though, is a name. Uh, I would speak to my sources. Does anyone have any contacts in one of the telegram offices? Uh, if perchance, I mean, they have to know where to send it to if he is presented a name. Someone in a telegram office must know where this is going. I do have a friend who works with the telegrams. She works in the telegram office. Do you have the miscellany ability, sir? Yeah. I think you do, yeah. So you do have a friend She's in the telegram like, office. She's just like, yeah, you know, this, a girl I used to know. <laughs> yeah. We used to go out for drinks together. She's a wonderful dancer. That's a start. Would, uh, is, yes. would Percy's, Percy's officialdom give him anything useful here? Someone who's I've heard of learned hard folks. and fast that officialdom never helps in this game. <laughs> I always offer it, and it's never... What, officialdom? Officialdom. I always love asking if I can use my officialdom. <laughs> well, well, I mean, what, what do you, how would you approach that, Percy? How would you use your ability to talk to people in public office? Yeah, I mean, I think he would just find any records of this name just to see if, you know, they have an address, if they have somewhere we could find this person or at least get closer to them. Sure. Um, I would also say I think your Bell, Bell Letters ability, Monty, mm -hmm. would tell you that just the, the, way that the, the way that he approached this situation, right? Like he... It seems like he gave, like, he t must have tipped people off that this was happening, right? Because there were so many people that were prepared to be there. Mm -hmm. And then he anchored his craft to the to near the top of the Eiffel Tower and made an announcement. Whether the auction is secret or not, he clearly is l looking to make this 
a, you know, kind of a big publicity thing. Mm-hmm. And so there may be kind of a journalism angle too. He may want to talk to, he may be willing to talk or want to talk to you about it. Yeah, I, I suppose my my issue there is still then fi- would still be finding him as well, right? It would be like, who knows this gentleman, and can we can we get in touch with him? Sure, he's still up. Uh, he's still up near the Eiffel Tower. Is it? okay? All right. <laughs> Does anyone have climbing among the <laughs> 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 down? I mean, yeah, I have. I can. I have athletics. I mean, if we can speak to uh, Monsieur Radon about this, then. Obviously, he has information. He knows all the ins and outs about what's happening. He's the one, presumably, who set all this up. So, certainly, uh, I I suppose we could simply be forward and try to speak to him about it. And this is, okay, this is like a Manu question, but also a Sarah question. We don't need to keep it secret that we're trying to get involved in this because, like, lots of Parisian people, like, that doesn't give away that we know things that other people don't, right? It's just, okay. I would assume everyone is kind of getting swept up in the fervor. Yeah. Per- perhaps, there? this is a spectacle, no? Perhaps we should send in our names in some similarly dramatic and beautiful fashion. Well, you would certainly know dramatic and shall beautiful. Shall we float that? Shall we make a balloon of our own? Do we tie them to a bird and have the bird fly to him? Perhaps we can do something that might make us stand out. Those are interesting ideas. I like that. I mean, I am I am scared of balloons, so if someone else would be the one to do that and I'll just stand back from it, then sure, that's fine with me. Um, I'm more interested in speaking to the gentleman. Like, with my miscellany, can I just be like, I know a man who has pigeons near to here. We can go, we can tie a knot, yeah. and it will fly to him. Like, sure. can we go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah. messages by pigeon were a thing, so. Yeah, yeah, and like, it's Paris, and okay. Imagine I don't know how you. T- I don't know how you tell the pigeon to, tell to the go pigeon find fly Jules that guy up there. See that guy? <laughs> like go my idea him, or Manu's idea is like we just you know it's a few blocks away. How convenient! And we go to the pigeon man. We like scroll scribble down our names and be like, put us at the top of the list. We have like skills that will be wonderful for you. And we have the bird fly up to the. Thing. I think yeah, Manu probably thinks this is going to be easy. Like you just you you go get a pigeon, <laughs> you send your name in, and like you get to go. Yeah, she, oh, oh, totally. She's like, we're going to get picked. Like, <laughs> logistics, she's like, I don't worry about these things. It will just work out. <laughs> the pigeon idea is is certainly interesting and, and, and one that I, I think we could absolutely uh, uh, work towards. But, Monty, perhaps a backup <laughs> idea as well. I appreciate Manu's uh, optimism. I think you... I think we should do that. Yes, absolutely. As one of absolutely. our routes, uh towards making contact and potentially getting our names to the top of the list. But... If we can speak to this Monsieur Radon um, first, potentially, uh, we may be able to make an impression that way. I, I have been known to be able to uh, make contact with folks um, using the ruse of uh, writing an article. That may be uh, a path that we can pursue. It's not even a ruse. You were sent well, here by a newspaper. Sent, right? That's true. <laughs> In this case, I was sent as it was actually sent by a newspaper. So, yes. I, I completely forgot. That's the truth this time. <laughs> like, I can't imagine there's like 70 news agencies competing for, like, you were sent by the newspaper. You go up and be like, hey, I'm the guy from the newspaper. Can I go talk Yeah, there's to like, you? there's, there are actually a number of publications. Um, the one that, uh, that you were sent by, uh, Monty, is kind of a center right, uh, leans toward the upper crust. Um, it, it, it fits pretty well with someone who would, you know, and he probably would want to be in that newspaper to try to attract more attention. Nice. So it, it, it fits pretty well, I think. Excellent. All right. I, I have a, uh, this is out of character, definitely out of character, as you can tell I'm about to suggest it. Um, if we're thinking split here, I think it makes sense for Monty, obviously to talk and probably to bring Manu with him because she's so, you know, she can really, uh. Bat the eyelashes at this guy and maybe get more out of him, which which then would leave uh, Percy and Donald to maybe do something else together, which I can't yes. imagine will go well, but might actually be fun to listen to. So, Wait, and this is like assuming like right. once he wants to talk with us or just like right now. I think if if Monty goes and says like I'm from this newspaper, he will want to talk to this. Like it seems like. From what Eric's describing, if the I word, see. if someone okay. can yell up, hey, we got a mm-hmm. newspaper guy down yeah. here. And if you're Just there, wave your notepad. I mm-hmm. think that you can facilitate more conversation and maybe get more out of him than like 
if I went up, or if all four yeah. of us went up. Okay, but Manu yeah. does want to do the the pigeon thing, so she's yes, gonna be like, yeah, she should I will do the go. It's, it is quick. I will go. I will send it up, and then I'll meet you at the base of the Eiffel Tower, and we will go and talk to him. Wait, can she just write in the note like these are our names? Like he works for the newspaper. We want to talk to you. Sure, you can write whatever sure. you want. Why don't she? So she's like, Percy, Percy, mon cher, you have your your notebook for your poetry, no? I can, can I have a, a piece of paper? And she like s- scribbles this little note. <laughs> Oh, yes, 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 of course. And I, I think Percy also, as they're about to sort of part, hands her a preposterous amount of cash. Just like way more than they would ever need for this errand that they're running. But she's she like, thinks oh, it's wait, appropriate. This, this will be enough. Thank you. <laughs> Merci. <laughs> and so she goes to do that. And it really is like, of course, just fortuitously nearby. And she can also give the name of her friend at the telegraph office. Is that what Donald needs or no? I guess... Percy and I could go talk to the telegraph office lady. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't actually know what the difference between a telegraph and a telegram are. Telegram, excuse telegram. me. Telegram. Yeah, telegram. I just had that same. Yeah. Giselle, she can help you at the office. She's most helpful. And so it sounds like Percy and uh, Percy and Donald are going to go just try to see if they can get information out of the telegram people as to like, I don't know, maybe who's sending in telegrams or, you know, something something like that. And Manu and Monty are going to go try to wave down Radon after Manu sends a pigeon up to him. I would say, yes, maybe <laughs> I I will just suggest um, that I will step out and att- attempt to get his attention and can initiate perhaps the conversation. Manu, when you are finished with uh, getting the, the pigeon situation together, you can, if you would like to come back and join me, then uh, I would be delighted for, delighted to have you as part of this conversation. Oui. Oui, the note describes your appearance. He will be so ready to speak to you by the time I return. Excellent. Thank you, Manu. And I believe a telegraph is the technology. Telegram is the actual message that goes ah, across the tele- telegraph mm-hmm. system. I don't mm. know why I clarified that in character, but just so we are all like, on the same page about what you will you. be going to do. Thank you for that information. You, I was confused. <laughs> and I think as they, before they part, Donald is going to like kind of pull Monty aside. And first he's going to say, how will the pigeon even know where to go? And then he'll catch himself and be like, oh, Monty, do you, do you think you could speak to Casilda again? I don't, I might be able to, but I, I have to admit, I don't know if I have a specific way to uh, flag her down or um, cause her to appear, if you understand. I Understood. I can try various things to see if she will show up and speak to me, um, and perhaps I will, if that is something we wish to, uh, we wish to pursue here. What, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what would be your interest in, in getting her involved? I, I just can't help but think uh, anything strange or horrible that happens in, in, in Paris is somehow related to all of the things we've seen so far. And, and we must, we must get on that airship. We are in agreement on that. And I think your observation is accurate. And I think they have like a nice little like they slap each other on the arm, give each other good luck. Good luck with Mr. Vanderbilt, the... <sighs> Epicure of this fine city. <laughs> well, at the very least, at least she, he gave enough money to uh, Manu to post bail if you need to. <laughs> Does he even know how to count? How much money was that? My God. <laughs> Percy oh, is like, a, you know, the, the how much could a banana cost? Ten dollars. Yeah, he's like Barbara Bush. Yeah, that's it. He has no idea. Like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Um, all right, so Manu, what do you want to say in your pigeon message? Like, are you submitting your formal application for the trip, or are, <laughs> yeah. you, are you just... Cher, cher Jules Radin, <laughs> below find the names of four exceptional candidates for your adventure. You will find two of us at the base of the Eiffel Tower. And then she's like, he is wearing... What What are you, what are you wearing? Dark Monty? blue nice suit, suit. well-kept beard. The man in the, the dark blue suit with the well-kept beard... And me with the blonde hair, we would like to speak with you pronto. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you, so the, the people at the pigeon office, uh, the messenger pigeon office, uh, take your message and they tie it to the leg of a pigeon and they release it out into the air and it doesn't go anywhere near the Eiffel no! Tower. <laughs> really? And Where does it like, go? Well, <laughs> they, 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 and the, pers- the person just says, 
Receipt of the message is not guaranteed. <laughs> if I give them more money, hawk. will they try again? <laughs> How many messages are you sending? Are you conscripting? <laughs> yes, no, certainly. If you'd not... like us to try again, we'd be happy to. You no, have the Manu's money. not faced. She's like, oh, silly birds. Okay. And she goes back and is like, we'll just have to, we'll just have to wave. <laughs> yeah. So when you get back outside, um, Monty has waved <laughs> down. Monsieur Radan. Monsieur Radan, uh, from the paper, if you if you would uh, kindly uh, give uh, an interview, I would be most uh, most pleased to uh, share more information with the people of Paris. I'm from the Daily Caller. <laughs> Wait, how does how does he get it? He's down from up up there, or he's, he's just like sh- he's just like yelling up I'm to him, trying to like get yeah, to see if I. Wow, I, and so easy. Okay, there's a way to like at this point. Uh, with the Eiffel Tower, there's a way to get up a couple of levels, right? Like, I, if, if I need to go up to kind of shout up at him so I'm not right on the ground, would that be possible? Yes, you, you can do that. And um, he doesn't catch every word that you say. Yeah. But enough that he um, he has the, 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 the craft kind of move down and he joins you up a few levels. Um, and then the craft kind of makes its way back up to the top. The other, it seems like the other man who still has a mask on, and the mask has it like, it kind of looks like it has pilot glasses and a pilot hat on it. Like it's a, it's a, it's a masquerade mask that makes this guy look like a pilot. Kind of takes it back up. He seems to be the one who operates the craft. Hmm. And so Monsieur Radan is there with the two of you and says. Lady, gentlemen, I am glad to be here with you today. Uh, what an exciting opportunity that we all have uh, here in Paris today. Opportunity, yes, that is exactly, uh, seems to be what you are presenting uh, to the people of Paris. Uh, if I may ask, what exactly uh, has inspired you to come down and offer this to the people of this grand city? I am a man of opportunity. I have the ability to bring the people of Paris an adventure of a lifetime. How could I pass up the opportunity to provide my services? Very, uh, very succinct. Thank you. Without answering my question. Um, yeah, Manu's gonna, <laughs> gonna try. She's like, usually she would like shake people's hands, but she like does not want to touch these guys. But she's like, enchanté. What a marvelous display. Where did you say we will be going on this adventure? Al- Aldebaran? The star? Yes, Alde- the, the planet Aldebaran. To the stars in this craft. Yes, you've seen how it can fly. That I have. How long will this journey be? How could a, a th- simple, practical thing like the amount of time have any effect on your desire to see the stars from this beautiful craft? Oh, monsieur, you misunderstand me. It does not impact my desire. I simply want to know for how long will our adventure last? It will take weeks, perhaps months, but... I assure you, the whole time it will be worth it. Bon, bon. If we are four, we all can go, no? How many, how many adventurers may you bring with you? Oh, we, we will take as many as we're able to hold, and I, as, as, as much as I would love to be able to whisk the two of you on the craft right now and take you away on your own private journey, we must save room only for those who win the tickets at auction. Mm, this uh, brings to mind uh, my... Uh, next two questions, really. Uh, one, I mean, this is a remarkable craft that you have here, and my readers are very worldly. They're very interested in uh, new discoveries and and new scientific breakthroughs. If you if you would tell uh, the world where exactly did you acquire this particular craft, it is unlike anything I have seen before. Oh, I designed it myself, of course. And I could not possibly publicize the secrets of my brilliant design. Then everyone would make one themselves. No, oh, of course, of course. And what exactly are the criteria that you are using to judge who will be coming to this auction to then win? I mean, this is already sort of a winnowing, is it not? There's You have to determine who is allowed to come in the first place. And then, of course, only those, I presume, who win auction tickets can join, so what are the criteria? You said your name was Hogg? Yes, Montgomery Hogg, at your service, sir, and I will extend my hand to him. Monsieur Hogg, the opportunity that I am offering is, as I said, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see things beyond this world. 
surely you must know that only those who have made sufficient impact on this world should be able to take the journey to another. And that is where we're going to end our story for now. We gotta get a famous I person. Love it. This could be a ride. <laughs> Michael Jackson ride. will come and join us. <laughs> oh my god. Travis Kelsey. Yes. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>